Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of History Hack. Because you absolutely 100% cannot get enough of the shark reunions, we've done another one, um, basically because Jason and Marcus get so excited by them that it's impossible to say no as well, um, because they're like little children jumping up and down every time we do one of these. So Jason's back. Hey, Jason. Hello. You're very excited about this one. I've now seen your pad as well, where you do the planning for these, your stalker planning for the Um, other actors. There's a lot of block capitals and marker pen going on there. And look at the spelling <laughs> error on Mark Warren. He had to go back and correct himself. But he did. In the interest, <laughs> Mark Warren's already laughing. Yeah, he did say, go back and correct himself. I do. I, because this is, you know, this is the end of the evening. I have a proper file with it all typed out properly. But this is what I'm, you know, <laughs> what's next? Yeah, do it like, like an artist, yeah? This yeah. is when he's on Twitter <laughs> and Instagram stalking people and trying to find them. So we do have Mark Warren with us. Hi, Mark. Hello. How's nice Corona been for you? We've not had you on yet. Uh, well, I've just been in a barn for about eight months on my own in Excellent. in uh, in Northamptonshire. But it's been nice, yeah. Yeah. Are you getting to the point now where you just can't be asked with people anymore? You're like, I could quite happily just stay doing this now. Well, it, it doesn't really seem any different to how I normally live my life. So uh, <laughs> not not much changed at all, really, so... Brilliant. This is like when we ask historians this and they say, no, I spend my life sitting on my own in a room with no one to talk to, reading about dead people. So nothing has changed. Um, so, yeah, well, obviously. Well, I do that, but I don't don't necessarily read about dead people. So. Yeah, no, that's that's one for the historians, isn't it? The sad sack historians with no life of which uh, Marcus and I are uh, one of that gang. So you were Captain Rymer. Yeah. Right. Do, do you know what? I, I actually I mean, I haven't seen it since it came out. I remember very little about it i have a few things in my mind but uh it most of this will be revealing for me yeah but i think i was like the major or something or was captain. i a major or a captain or captain. i remember you being were, on a horse yes. you were the captain who <laughs> came in to replace sharp because sharp right. was braced himself so you were the he had taken over the south essex and Sharp wanted you dead so he can get promoted into your captaincy. You, you had bought it, obviously, and Sharp yeah. you know, had earned it. Um, before you go on with the introductions, uh, Mark and I used to see each other at auditions back in whenever that was. But I didn't see him for a while. And I was, at, I was on Notting Hill Gate at uh, the bank uh, going from Lloyd's to HSBC trying to pay off my credit card bill. And um, <laughs> I see Mark Warren running for the Oxford Tube and stopping. He missed it. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I'm going to fucking rescue Mark Warren here. So, hey, Mark, how are you doing? Hey, Jason. 
I'm going to get you that bus. So rammed him in my car and we sped down Holland Park Avenue about 100, well, 50 miles an hour. And I, <laughs> delivered, I delivered him to the stop in front of the Hilton and Mark got his bus. It was an amazing moment. And that is why I am here now. Because <laughs> I feel you. Can I just say, though, that when he reminded you that Shark wanted you dead, your face was like, what a bastard. <laughs> I forgot all, that all, about him. All the captains, there were several captains, none who were in, in mention. That was the thing. He wanted any captain dead so he could take over. It wasn't his fault. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the overriding thing was just, I, a feeling of feeling completely out of my depth. That's that's the thing I remember most. That was from very early struck. for you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because so, that was before is, Band of Brothers. Yes, I'd been acting about five or six years, yeah. but it it's was uh, and it, you know very intimidating working with Sean and yeah. yeah. So I just yeah. say you ruined me with Hustle because that was basically my career plan. I watched that as a kid and I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going to do for a living. And obviously it hasn't panned out and now I'm a historian. So I blame you. You're going to be a con. Tasha Tasha worshipped that show too. She wouldn't miss an episode. She loved it. So I was watching over her shoulder. Good. Thank you. Excellent. We also have returning Scott and Assumpta. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. How the devil are we? Very pleased to see you yeah. yeah, sorry. Well, you said that. <laughs> I, I might change that. Hello, Nick. Hello, Hugh. Hi, Hello. Part of the discussion last night was about Scott's luscious hair in the episode and how he still has it all as well. well most of it. <laughs> it's it's the only thing thing I beat out Sean Bean on is Sean Bean was was they confided to me was very very poor at growing sideburns. Oh, really? Yeah, he he actually had to have them applied. Uh, <gasps> he had to he had to have his tattoo. <laughs> had to get rid of his um, had to get rid of his tattoo as well on his shoulder. Yeah, because of, uh, he had Shef- Sheffield United. His football. I was going to say, was it football? Yeah. <laughs> so it was tattoo off, sideburns on. Um, yeah, he used to sit for hours by the radio or by the telephone, listening to the match in England. Sheffield. Oh yes. Sheffield United, not Sheffield Wednesday, because that's where the um, pig, pigs from trough or something. They. <laughs> <laughs> we have, well, I say everyone's favourite. He's Marcus's favourite Wellington, isn't he, Marcus? Yes, how can you not be? Sorry, David. <laughs> no, David's not here, it's fine. No, so Hugh's back. Hi, Hugh. Hello, hi. We have some really interesting questions for you today, actually, as well. And then we are waiting on Clive as well, so we'll see if he manages to pop in. But we have Nicholas Jones with us as well. Colonel Fletcher, hello. Hi. Oh, we also, as well, we've done a hornblower once. We're very excited that you're here because we were watching it last night um, and we noted that you had carved a niche for yourself in the mid-90s of the very competent and reliable senior officer who nonetheless oh, gets covered up in some way to make way for the lead character in his <laughs> With tight costumes. Yes. <laughs> so that's really good. We have some great questions for you today. So we also have Robbie Morgan with us, who, of course, was Major Collett. Hi, oh, Robbie. yes, was I? Yes, you were. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Welcome. I've got the hat. Well, and, and hello to you as well. Hat. Yes, the hat. Is Mark there? Yes. Yes, Robbie. Hello. Oh, my... <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> Mark, Hi. <laughs> hey, you look very good. You look very good, Mark. Thank you. So do you. <laughs> I've only just sort of got up, so um, you know, I might I'm a bit frayed round the edges. Robbie, watch Vandervok. He looks incredible in that. I, I know he does. I know. I know. I, th- I think he's been terrific in everything he's done. 
Um, thank God I taught him well. But um, <laughs> he, he, no, he looks fantastic. He, he really does. And there's uh, uh, who is he? The, the other girl with brunette, the brunette girl, very good looking girl. I, 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 don't know, I don't know her name. Oh, but, what, uh, in, in Sharp's company? No, no, she was in Van der Vork. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. This, is, May, this May. is actually a sharp, sharp theme podcast, Robbie. Yeah? <laughs> uh, oh, right. Okay. okay. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Van der Vork uh, podcast. <laughs> Today we'll be speaking <laughs> about Anyway. Has Lyndon arrived yet? Has Lyndon? He's arrived. He, he arrived, but he had to go and pick up his Doris. That's what he calls his girlfriend. I've got to go and pick up the oh. Doris. <laughs> oh, right. Right. And but what yeah. we're going to do first, so we're going to talk about Sharp's company, which we were debating before we started recording. We think it's undoubtedly one of the best. Um, we were talking about how the earlier ones obviously get a lot of love. But this one is absolutely spectacular. We're going to talk about Pete Postlequate and why he made it so spectacular. But mm. before we start, Marcus is just going to give our listeners. So this book revolved around the siege of Badajoz, didn't it, Marcus? So just put that in context for people like me who don't know anything about Napoleonic history. So there was a wall and some cannons, and some blokes. Yeah, this is one of the more, this is actually one of the more complicated ones coming from two angles, because you've got the Wellington's sieges, which uh, is kind of his weak point. He's got Ciudad Rodrigo, the episode starts the storming of Ciudad Rodrigo in Spain, and then moves towards Badajoz. And these are the two towns, both like medieval fortifications that need to be taken in order to liberate uh, Spain from the French. And they're really difficult to do. Um, it's going to be old medieval fortifications, cannons smashing them down, engineers and sappers digging their way in. But eventually it's going to be men storming those breach and going in. Uh, at the end of it, uh, there's quite a lot of debate about how many, but there's quite a few atrocities uh, committed by the British. Even in the opening episode, you see Cooper uh, come down, shake hands with Harris and Hagman and, and give out some jewels. And he only would have really got those from taking them from Spanish civilians. And whilst this is all going on, Sharp's fighting for his rank. And this is the most complicated part of uh, the Napoleonic period for me, is that you, there's loads of different ways for officers to move up. The most common was purchasing. They actually go to uh, like a, an agent in London that's uh, commissioned by the government, and they're buying their way up. You can earn them by doing heroic or stupid things like saving Wellington's life and uh, getting them there or to go up further there needs to be a vacancy so if somebody's purchased them like Captain Reimer Mark has bought his commission it, he needs to die basically for then the colonel to grant his position so Sharp's now watching people kind of hoping that they've got a short life expectancy and he can step into dead men's shoes so there's a lot going on in Sharp's company just want to ask a, a sumpter because a question came in for you and it'd be a good place to ask it someone wanted to know as a spaniard did they teach you all this at school was it a big deal learning about so this is is it referred to as the spanish war of independence um not really okay <laughs> it's just a british deal i mean i i uh, you know i remember that i went into a library and tried to well not a library it was a bookshop uh, a, book, a bookshop book yes a bookshop and uh you know it was like two or three books um you know and i remember in britain having you know all the uh, wall you know yeah absolutely filled with the filled peninsula, with the, um, war. peninsula war yeah but but i mean it's it's funny because uh, how is life, right? Um, 
three years ago, they uh, they said to me to do a nun, you know, to play a nun. In, um, I like so that, the idea of, I want you to go and do a nun. Yes, <laughs> nothing to do with Sharp, but the idea is that I went, uh, the production company is in Ciudad Rodrigo. And so um, Ciudad Rodrigo is okay. now is, is having a big studio. Uh, you know, that is, this guy is putting up uh, you know, movies there. And uh, we went into the, uh, right, we went into the... Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but, uh, where you know, the mar- murallas, how you call yeah, it? Yeah, the, the city the walls. walls. The city walls, and you know they explain us their story, which of course there is variations with the British story. <laughs> but uh, anyway, like, uh, but it was it was it was very nice. It still are there everything, and you know, and I was wondering why we didn't shoot there because it was exactly as it was. You know the walls and everything still keeps uh, no. And the only the only people who really care about it are the enactors who come by. Because uh, the Spanish, the Spanish don't give a damn about it because they were never taught about it. Um, and the, curi- the, the curious thing about that, I think I said that the other time. My first line in Sharp Company is, "We're in Ciudad Rodrigo is taken," and those were my first words in Spanish. Um, and now, well, I speak Spanish and all the rest of it. Uh, but the curious thing is, the director of something worked with. He wants to make a film about the what happened during their siege with the French, which went on for almost three months and they they fought back the french for three months and then uh, the french managed to get in eventually after they ran out of supplies and everything else and then the uh, the british turned up and uh, got the french out and proceeded to rape and pillage and that's sort of one of the the, the tragedies of it which is one of the reasons in in the the siege of Badajoz, which was they implemented the idea that if anybody was found looting raping thieving or any other skullduggery they would be ha- hanged Mm. Uh, which is one of the the reasons that that went down was because of what, exactly what happened with the British in Ciudad Rodrigo, which was particularly bloody and unpleasant. I recommend you to to go there. It's a very nice, pleasant city, very calm and wonderful, and still, you know, it's wonderful views from the from the wall. I think uh, in answer to your question, why you didn't film there, because it was cheaper to drag you all to the Ukraine and half kill you, but it worked out for the best because Jason married Natasha, so none of you can complain. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm married as sometimes. Yes. Exactly. I, no, do I you know what, as complain. well, I will never grow tired of the anecdote about how you learn Spanish, which is when she drove you to a Spanish language school and dumped you there until you learned it, which was great. Um, yeah, yeah. Four, four weeks well spent. <laughs> Lyndon's just popping back in as well. Hello, Lyndon. Hello. <laughs> wow. Lyndon. Now, Lyndon and Mark Warren, I seem to remember there being some sort of um, rivalry between you two, or is this in my imagination? Or Really? I don't remember that. I, I, I was trying to think. I think Lyndon and I worked together. Didn't yes. we do a casualty? We did a casualty in a, in yeah. a Simmons yacht. Yeah. Was there a rivalry between us, Lyndon? No. If there oh, was, there can, can't we, have been. can we bury it now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering <laughs> all that floppy hair going on with Scott, you three could have formed the ultimate hey, night maybe boy band. Maybe I was jealous of Lyndon, I don't know. <laughs> he did have magnificent curtains at the time, didn't he? I, I, <laughs> well, I have it's to, it's I nice to see him anyway. I have to say, Mark, you, Mark, Mark, you were the most frighteningly, frighteningly um, cool people I'd ever met. You were oh, really? so cool. Yeah, he was. Oh, he, God. He, he was always very cool, wasn't he? Oh, God. He's still, just... still very cool. Uh, yeah. I think that coolness was insecurity. Um, 
Did I die in this episode? Yes. Right, okay. But you know what, Mark? Mark, you know what? The, the insecurity was exactly in line with the character because he was insecure. Sharp was wanting to be dead. It was you bought the commission. So whatever you were doing, you did it perfectly. It was perfect. That's, that's why Tom Clegg cast me, which is quite hard to say, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but did you do your own sideburns? No, I probably no. They would have been, no. I've never been good at growing sideburns. I always like wearing them because they always make you look good. But I've never been able to grow them. So, into you can see, you can see from the picture they're total rubbish, aren't they? Really, that makes <laughs> yeah. the others feel slightly better about your coolness. The fact that you had to stick your sideburns on. Yeah, isn't it funny with people's perceptions of you and your own perception of yourself? How completely different they are. How so. old were you when you made this? Well, well, it's, at, it's exactly half my life ago. I mean, I'm 53 and it was, you know, it's, it's 27 years ago. So it's, it, that's what's so interesting about it. It's like half a life. Yeah. I, I do have to laugh when you said you were 53. Everybody else on this track visibly groaned because you look too good to be 53. Everyone was like, what a git. <laughs> yeah. There's the portrait in the, in the attic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's there a curious thing when you hit your 50s, you go, really? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I'm 51, and you go, really? What? What? What, what happened? Yeah, Chris yeah, is complaining about shot. it. You're 55 this week, aren't you? Yeah, I'm 55 on Saturday. It's not happening. Oh, not happy. <laughs> <laughs> best of, the best of years are coming up. Don't worry. If we have just briefly, I just want to go around the room because Pete Postlethwaite kind of made this episode because he was so horrible. He just brought something so awesome to this episode. And a couple of you have had a chance before to talk about how much you loved working with him. But if we start with Hugh, um, did you have any scenes with Pete or did you hang out with him backstage? Because everyone loves hearing Pete Postlethwaite's stories. So glad to hear Mark saying that he couldn't remember anything about it. I'm afraid I'm pretty much in that club myself. <laughs> um, but uh, <clears throat> I loved Pete. Uh, more actually off stage than on, I have to say. He was he was a great guy with a wonderful sense of humour and a warmth about him. And uh, he was great company. I don't honestly remember whether we had any scenes together, I'm, I'm afraid. Perhaps someone can enlighten me about that. Jason, maybe? I didn't see any today. I was watching company. I didn't see any. There's uh, no, no. Not any. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think you do. You're kind of two different circles. Yeah. Uh, you might pass by him on, on a parade, but Wind, Wyndham is always the one that um, is interfacing with, um, with Hagueswell. Yeah. Oh. Which is a shame that Klein isn't here because a lot of good questions about why he was so fooled by Hagueswell and, you know, how we can see that Har Harper should never have been flogged. There's no way he'd be stealing his, the wife's uh, portrait. So it's a shame that Clive isn't here, but we can still cover that stuff. But anyway, Pete... <laughs> Nicholas, what about you? What are your memories of Pete? Oh, they're all rich. The first time I saw him, I was standing off camera. I think I was next up. And he was giving his Obadiah Higgsville. And I'd never seen Pete before. And he was twitching and, and snarling. And later I read the books. He was doing exactly what he'd said in the books. But I couldn't believe what he was doing. And he wandered over afterwards. I said, you, you, you were going for it there. And he said, yes, never knowingly underplayed. <laughs> and... Um, I, uh, I ended up in his room that night with the usual behaviour going on and got invited to see... They'd heard a rumour up in the mountains of snow 
that was there all summer long. I don't know if any of you came on that trek, I don't remember, but we started very early the next morning and went up on a, a, a vernacular railway, a Russian vernacular railway that was shaking and wheezing and really scary. And um, Pete reached into his inside pocket and started on his brandy flask. And then we got to the top, we walked about two miles into the hinterland of this great plateau. Yeah. And it was warm. And we came across, I don't know how we found it. There was some bush vaguely in the distance, half a mile, three quarters of a mile away. And we got to it and there was a rickety old fence around it in iron and a gate that had been forced open and stepladder going vertically down into a hole. He went first, I think there were three or four of us. We went down these steps about 30 foot and there was a tunnel and it was very slick and dark and the, the boulders were greasy and there was a tunnel perhaps five foot tall and one after the other we went into this den, this cave, which was about the size of a small sitting room and there was a mound probably 15 foot tall of snow in the middle and above this cone of snow there was a hole in the top, which led straight out into the heath. So the snow in the winter had fallen down and formed this extraordinary icicle, this extraordinary cone-shaped, 15-foot-tall cone-shaped snow. That's a vivid memory I have of Pete. And we left there. It was a very long walk. And the young lad who I've worked with since, I can't remember his name, it eludes me. He was very young. And I, I think we did a long walk. We did about a seven or eight-miler back down off the mountain, back to camp. So those were my first early experiences of him. He was very generous and, um, and welcoming. Yeah. Look at the size of that split he gave me. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> uh, it's funny, Nick. I, I didn't hear about that trip, but I, I, know, about an, I know about another trip he did. Um, yeah. Do, do you remember the trolley buses that used to roll around Yalta, you know, with the, the, yeah. the, the wires above, etc.? Well, you, yeah. could take that bu- you could take that trolley bus from Yalta all the way up to Simferopol which was an hour in a car, a fast car, two yeah. hours, three hours in a tram. So one day, Pete grabbed a case, case of beer, sat down on the tram, went back and forth to St. Frapple, chatting away with the locals and, and having a lovely time. And yeah. that's, that's what he was like, you know? He was, he was lovely. I had a story of him doing an American movie after he'd really uh, broken through. And uh, he, he, it was quite early in the morning, it was nine. And I think, you know, he'd had a couple of drinks already probably. And the director said... Uh, is that alcohol I smell on your breath? And Pete said, would you rather smell the fear? <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful, Nick. That's beautiful. <laughs> Lyndon, do you have any memories of Pete Postlethwaite? Um, but he was, what, what, what was said previously was he, he, he was just one of the most genuine and kindest people I've ever met, to mm. be totally honest. Um, I, I've, I don't know anyone that's got a bad word to say about him and he didn't have a bad word to say about anyone mm. um, he was just he was just extremely warm and very nice to give you an idea my brother tells a story he was in a he was in a bar in Belfast and Pete Postlethwaite came in and my brother went up to him who's basically like me without the self-censorship if you can possibly imagine that <laughs> and he walked up to him and said Pete Postlethwaite you were in Sharp's company with my brother Scott and he went, really? You went, Scott Cleverton? And he said, yeah. He said, let me buy you a pint. <laughs> and and I, I, I think as actors, you, you have the opportunity every once in a while, you meet somebody who's an absolute arsehole. And I think we were very fortunate. Well, you know, 
they're about. <laughs> I think it was very fortunate. I was still very, very young to meet people like Pete and, and really the rest of the cast on, on Sharp that I did to meet such nice, generous, kind people because, you know, you learn the right way to oh, go about yeah. things. Mm. Robbie, what about you? Yeah, um, Pete, Pete and I were at the RSC together. Um, so I knew him before we started on uh, Sharp's company. And, um, yeah, so we, um, we had a sort of um, a history of the Dirty Duck after shows <laughs> at Stratford. Um, I, I remember arriving from uh, Simply Awful to uh, Chernomarie's sanatorium, and it, it was like an acid house party was going on at five o'clock in the morning. We'd just arrived from the UK. <laughs> Is that just Jason uh, in that tie-dye T-shirt? Right? That, that was Lyndon's Linden, uh, weekly party he held. <laughs> and uh, Pete looked at his watch. It was about five o'clock in the morning and said, what time's the pick-up? And, and if someone said, well, it's 6.30. And they'd been partying all night. Uh, Peter had been partying all night. <laughs> I hadn't been to sleep and uh, was just waiting for his pick-up in an hour and a half. <laughs> So he had the uh, stamina of an ox. I mean, it was just incredible. But uh, yeah, he was he was a lovely guy. Um, and uh, you kind of, I I found myself, I was always on my toes when Pete was around because uh, you never know, uh, we, you never knew what was going to happen. But um, yeah, he was, uh, he was uh, and his, his, was it his wife called Jax? Yeah. She, yeah. She, she, she was out there, yeah. Um, <clears throat> No, he was. He, he was a wonderful, wonderful actor. And, uh, yeah, sorely missed. Mark, what about you? Um, well, I mean, the thing I remember most about this episode is Pete. And he had, uh, he had, a, he had a really big impact, I would say, on my life, really. Because, um, I mean, I remember him talking about <clears throat> In the Name of the Father, which I think he'd just shot with Daniel Day-Lewis, and we used to listen to... Him talking about that, I remember being in the where we used to eat, and him introducing me to Alan Watts, um, and he—I mean—he kind of started a because I think he was a seeker, Pete, and and he sort of started me on a spiritual journey, if you want, which sort of continues to this day, on and off. Um, uh, I remember traveling, I think we were going off to a night shoot on that long and winding road that went up past that church with those drivers who used to drive yeah. about 100 miles an hour. And I remember just me and Pete being in the back and here comes the sun coming on and just me and him singing it. Yeah. Um, I remember, I remember oh, going fantastic. to work. That's lovely. I, I remember going to work at, you know, six o'clock in the morning and seeing Pete still on the balcony from the night before um you know and just and he's just a, his constitution of of an ox really you know just incredible i remember being in the bar where we all used to drink and one night he he turned on me and he gave me a flash of oh disgusting uh, it was <laughs> no, he gave me like a he gave me like an insight of life that I just wasn't ready for. And he, he told me I was arrogant, but he also told me how that, that that was a good thing and that I should hold on to it. It's something I always remembered, but it was just like, um, 
being with somebody who was so who just lived so much and I was so young and just having so just just being exposed to that um I actually met his son Billy two two years ago I was doing a job and I got to meet Billy, so I talked about him then. And um, and the other thing I remember about Pete is I, I was, I, I mean, it's just I was doing a thing called Between the Lines. I remember doing a night shoot with him, and Pete suddenly realised he didn't know any of the lines, and he had about a two-page speech. Um, and we were in the bar, and he just learnt them off like that. And he said, "Good writing is always easy to remember." And then just yeah. went off and, and then just went off and shot it all. I mean, he was, yeah. he was really, he was extraordinary. He was one of life's, one of life's characters. So, yeah. Jason, you agree, don't you? I, I agree. I, I worked with him uh, doing Richard II and Richard III in, in the West End with, um, directed by Clifford Williams. And he was desperate to get out of that show because it was sort of nightmarish old production. And um, he said to me, Jace, I'm going to fall off that, that thing there. Don't try and grab me because I want to break my leg and get out of the show. I was like, Pete, don't fucking do that, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, but he didn't. But tragically, he got diagnosed with testicle cancer, which took him out of the show. Mm. So it was like, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. But funny, funny you should say, Mark. So we were doing this uh, Shakespeare and we were doing a three-town tour of Scotland. And... We flew up to Aberdeen and Pete drove and we were going to drive from, I don't know, Edinburgh to Aberdeen, whatever. It was a nice drive through the Highlands. And it was a Sunday and we were all knackered. And I was reading my paper, reading the results, how Chelsea were doing in the league and stuff. And Pete turns to me and says, Jason, you're a fucking Philistine. Because I wasn't looking at the beautiful uh, countryside. So, yeah, there were moments when Pete could definitely, he's lovely and lovely, but bam. But... Yes, speaking the truth, and she says. But I, I, I love peace so much. I've it's this might sound corny, but but I wrote a little poem, mm. and I'm, I'd like to hear for you now. Pete Poss, Pete Poss, no question, you're the boss of iniquity and hate. You couldn't give a toss. You masters mat, you mastered matters both serious and silly, comparing acting to crocheting with your willy. Your Obadiah so scary and surly. It's so unfair you were called away early. Your legend lives on. The world is a fan. God damn it, Pete Possethwaite. We miss you, man. Thank you. Oh, well done. I think he'd like that because it's not pretentious. No, it's strong visual imagery too. Yes. Yes, (laughs) In, In retrospect, and being the age... I am. I, I recognize in Pete somebody who was running headlong from shadow, somebody who was doing everything in his power to claw his way into the light. Because uh, there, there was, there was in, and, and that's one of the, the reasons he was such a magnificent actor and a magnificent person, because he was aware of how dark, how dark it, he and everything could be. That's the thing that struck me. He's very special and we wanted to do a little tribute to him like that. Um, we do have some more light-hearted questions, which um, I thought were really good. One, one of them was for Assumpter. Assumpter, if they made a prequel, who would play Teresa now? Hmm, good question. I, I don't know. Um, Someone Spanish? Well, you know, I can advise two or three uh, nice actresses of my school. That's <laughs> true. I yeah, mean, yeah. they resemble a lot in this fierceness, and you know, and 
and um, yeah, um, positivism, and I think, and they are tough as nails. Yes, <laughs> the three of them. This is the curious thing about Spain: is the women are tougher than the men. Sorry, men of Spain, but they're, they're, it's it's a very much a, a, a sort of thing. All all the all the all the men are mummies' boys. That's that's something. That <laughs> yes, you think? Absolutely. <clears throat> Okay, so they, yeah, nowadays I think. <laughs> also, yeah, there's a lot, but that that sort of strength, and we've actually we've actually worked with actresses that that could have been that could be your daughter. That's, yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of people like that. Mm -hmm. So tell me, <laughs> if someone is, let us know. We'll put the word out. Know. Yeah, you know, they can do it over Zoom or <clears throat> self tape it. Uh, no. Mark, you mentioned a spiritual moment. Uh, with Pete Postlethwaite, this is less spiritual. Gary Fowler wanted to know what was worse: listening to Elijah Wood sing "Bubbles" in Green Street, <laughs> or listening to Scott Cleverdon sing "Hearts of Oak." <laughs> well, I'm really sorry, Scott, but I don't remember you singing. Hearts of Oak. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but if it helps, I don't remember Elijah singing the "Bubbles" thing either. So. <laughs> Do you know what? Funny you should say that because Brendan Reese says, Scott, do you still remember it? And I think, obviously, you're going to have to sing it, aren't you? Obviously, John oh, Tanner taught you well. Yeah, look, look, I'm not a singer. I'm not a singer. And, um, and John gave me, he gave me a cassette, which I could probably still find somewhere, although I've got nothing to play it in. And that was, if, if I seemed a little distracted when I turned up, it's because I had this song going through my head for days and days and days and when we shot it <laughs> it was one take and that's it <laughs> that was it there was, wasn't anything else so i was absolutely terrified it was very comes up every time for you scott i mean you got we got the wonderful john tams doing the soundtrack and it's always your 30 seconds of singing and everybody complains about it being a, a sailor song a sea song a shanty and no, I think people like it. <laughs> I remember rehearsing um, uh, the song. I remember you uh, re rehearsing the song um, in the in the. I would be wandering off room. into the wilderness. <laughs> Come cheer up, my lads! Tis to glory we steer exactly. to add something more to this wonderful year. To honor, we call you as free men, not slaves. For who are so free as the sons of the waves? Hearts of oak are our ships, hearts of oak are our men. We always are ready, steady. Steady, boys, steady. We'll fight and we'll conquer again and again. <laughs> there, well, there you go. go. Hey. Hey. Make hey. Mark half his life to block the memory of that out, and you've just yeah. Been... It's gonna. It was. Uh, it was much worse hearing Scott doing it <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon from Madrid. <laughs> so yeah, Nick uh, Drew wanted to know straight up which was more fun, Hornblower or Sharp? Well, you died gruesomely, oh, Hornblower, quite oh, quickly, didn't you? Listen, I had such a good time um, on both. Of, one was watery, one was earth, and I just had a terrific time on both of them. That mad sanatorium. Uh, that we all stayed in and the yeah. wild like frontier town that was Yalta and uh, Yeltsin yes. had just not Yeltsin um, Gorbachev had just been taken out of his Dachau up the road and there was a feeling of frontier townships yeah. about it you saw the bulge of guns in people's pockets the sailors from up the road in Sebastopol would sell you anything they'd sell you the shirts off their back quite literally yeah said I like that 
they'd sell it to you. It was an extraordinary, vibrant time to be there. And traveling, yeah. um, traveling uh, VIP on Russian airline, that was a terrifying thing yeah. to do. It basically <laughs> meant you, you carried your own luggage on first. That's what yeah. a, a VIP meant. It was an extraordinary do, time. Do, do you remember when you, we took off? that all the seats went backwards because they weren't screwed in. They, they, weren't, they weren't bolted down. I know. I know. They weren't and bolted we carried... down, so they all went backwards like a pack of cards. That's right. And then when we levelled up, they all came back up. That's right. <laughs> it was very funny. We carried on our own luggage and the, first and the into lunch. the hold, and there were footsteps up from the hold into the VIP position. Yes. And as I turned around and I was lugging my own luggage into the hold, I looked back across right. It was like a Sutrinian's bus. This was the normal folk <laughs> with all the luggage on the arms sticking out of the bus, completely overfilled and luggage and legs. It was the most extraordinary and scary experience. And, and people, Do you remember? Some, the designer I remember was trying to buy a tank and he was convinced he could get a tank and have it <laughs> shipped back to uh, London. And I bought one of those, uh, one of the equivalent of the VC in Russia. And foolishly, I didn't hide it in my luggage and I got stopped at the airport. And it's like stripping of them of their pride and identity in Russia. Yeah. And it showed up on my hand luggage and they put me in a room and my flight was in three quarters of an hour. We got down to 30 minutes to 15 minutes. I said, I have no money. I have no money yeah. to pay you. And eventually with about 10 minutes ago, I said, I have a card. I said, that'll do. So I think I paid about $100 or something, which should have been three months wages for them. And they let me go and they took this medal, but they were really, yeah. it was scary. Yeah, amazing time. And, and Yeltsin was bombing the White House at that time. Yeah. And there was a movement order, I don't know if you remember that, saying yeah. uh, everybody is advised, please <laughs> don't go into town now. It's really dangerous. This is the White House has been bombed and Yeltsin is standing on a tank. So, of course, I got straight on the yeah. bus into town yeah. to have a, have a look at this. It was an extraordinary time to be there. Remember the difference between the first and the second year? The first year you could just, you know, uh, walk in the streets so nicely and people were so welcoming and the second year with all these Ferraris, Testarossas in the, in the, uh, in the streets uh, was such a difference in such a short, short year I mean short time uh, no? I, I remember that, I remember like wow you know, from 93 to 94 it really changed everything, yeah. people changed uh, I, 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 I went out I think three times all in all, between the first time I visited and the second, the value of the, I forgot what they were called now, but uh, what were they called? The coupon, they were actually called the, the coupon. The coupon, the yeah. coupon had gone up, the exchange rate had gone up by about 200 in four weeks. So the devaluing yeah. of this, it was a scary time for them. I think there were about 3,000 coupons to a dollar or something, and it had gone up to that from about 500 in three weeks. I don't remember the figures. It was huge and impossible. It was sort I write of in my book money on, in a wheelbarrow for a loaf of bread time. How I write in my book on the, on the first year, it was uh, something cost a dollar. Second year, something, the same thing cost 10 bucks. Exactly. The third year, it cost 100 bucks. There you go. Uh -huh. No idea about it. They just knew that, well, <laughs> this, we're in the Western world now. We, we, we go for inflation. So yeah. It was, yeah. that's why we moved to Turkey, basically, after year three. Are you yeah. writing a book, Jason? Yes. <laughs> it's called yeah. um, From Crimea with Love. Yeah, sure is. and watching the Russians, watching the Russians eat the free food was a lesson in what was happening. Yes, the they food. went mad for the fruit. They went absolutely they crazy. They went mad for the fruit. Yeah. Remember the dash for the oranges and apples? Yes. Lots of, there were moments where 
unfortunately the the workers had to be told off because they were piling their plates up too high yeah oh yeah you know felt really bad when but you know people had to eat other people had to eat and they were like yes i was was in kenya once the maasai warriors used to didn't know they piled up their plates and the one that I still think about was one of these beautiful tall warriors about six foot four, put custard on his potatoes as he moved them. Oh. <laughs> Anything, just to fill it up. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the, um, do you remember the um, soldiers doing their national service who were also, yeah. you know, doing the action and stuff? Yeah. And um, they used to, I mean, they, they used to have corned beef and... A loaf a day or something. Their rations were pretty bad, um, and they, and they were abs- at night absolutely freezing, and in the day absolutely boiling. Um, but they all huddled together at night, hugging each other because they were so so cold. Um, Probably they got a dollar a day, dude. Come on. Yeah, I know, but they didn't even get that because the guy who was in charge used to put it in his back pocket. Mm. I think. But there was, yeah, this was mentioned on one of the other uniform. podcasts. We may, may, sorry to repeat it, but the colonel, you know, Badahoff, all the bombs and everything going off. Yeah, all, yeah. So after that all happened, the colonel came up to one of the producers and said, listen, I want to thank you. You've given my soldiers a basic training they would never, ever have. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. all that firing and stuff, that was better training than they had on normal. Yeah, yeah. Great. Is that Clivey, baby? He's coming, yeah. Hi, hi, hi. Hello. 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 So sorry. Hello. So sorry. Hi. Had a had a last minute crisis. Hello. Hello. <laughs> my goodness. Hi. Goodness, we all look younger than ever. Look at hello, baby. Oh, how <laughs> nice to see you all. Goodness gracious me. Oh. Hi, Clive. Givey, givey, givey. Thanks for coming on, Clive. I really oh, appreciate I, I'm it. I'm so sorry. I was late. Oh, no, sorry. it's fine. Oh. Fine. That's fine. We were just talking about uh, company and Pete Possible for weight and everything. I mean, oh, yeah. let's 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 get some questions for Clive, I guess. Oh Christ! Oh dear. <laughs> which, of, which, of which we have a few. All right. Okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. Oh, fact, Mark. Oh, goodness, how nice is Hello, you? Clive. Hello. Oh. Yes. Go. On. Question. Question time. There's one thing I was I was trying to get onto before the the writing of Charles Wood. Yes. You, particularly, he gave you lots of lines where you repeated yourself. Givey, yeah. givey. Yes, and yes. all at sea. You know, do you remember that? Do you, do yes. you ever feel? Yes. Yeah, I do. I remember that. Yes. It well, sort of irritates me a little bit. Does it? Oh, I, I loved it. You see, I, you I, love, I yeah, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, now that I'm older and I'm, I, I'm not a stupid, uh, immature twit. I know what, how beautiful it was. It yeah. just, it was completely different from the way every other Sharper episode was written. And, and, yes. and Charles Wood didn't really have an idea of how the chosen men could talk or interact uh, with Sharp. Right. I mean, did, did Charles Wood write lots of scripts for Sharp or was this a one-off? He wrote two, Marcus, right? He wrote Waterloo Company. Right. And they feel quite different to the, the rest of the episodes, except for Gold, don't they? Yeah. It's, it's, it's the writing. He, he wanted to sound like a poem almost. Everything has to sound yeah. Yeah. beautiful, which is great. It's beautiful, but it's just... it's. It's Owen Harris established. Owen Harris was the first screenwriter. He established this sort of freewheeling, almost quasi-modern way of speaking. You know, we wrote, right. Right. which which was had been established already for two episodes. And then, anyway, we were saying, Clive, that Company is regarded as one of the best episodes anyway by fans. So, what oh, do God. I know? Oh, that's good. Well, it was a cracking good yeah. show. Yeah, I must say. 
Do you remember the portrait of your ugly wife? Do you remember you had to pick oh, it yes. up and look at it? We have to mention that. There's a moment where you go, oh, I gaze upon her face. And we were watching it last night and we had to laugh because the and picture they used, had... she was a pig, wasn't she? <laughs> she was, she was desperate. She had too many Christmas puddings. Well, she was, she was, she was desperately ugly, I have to say, yes. <laughs> Is that an in-joke in the filming? Because every time that came up, we shuddered last night and went, oh. And then at the end, you looked at it with such love in your eyes. And just, I know. Oh, I gaze upon her well, face. That was the best piece of acting I think I've ever done. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, I was going to say. Not the thing, Not the thing. Not the not thing, thing yes. <laughs> it was a hideous picture. I don't yes. know genuinely yeah. a picture of a woman or just something they just made as ugly as possible. Clive, I have to ask you, because we've been talking about Pete Postlethwaite, if you'd like to say anything about what it was like to work with him. Well, he was, a, he was adorable. I, um, I'm mad as a hatter, you know, and uh, one had to be very careful what you said to dear Pete when he had a couple of vodkas inside him, because anything that was slightly dubious, you know, that went against the grain, he would, he could become quite, quite... Um, <laughs> Argumentative, but it, 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 I, I do remember we went out one morning filming at about half past, um, I don't know, half past seven in the morning, and, and and Pete was still on the balcony from the night before with a with a drink in his hand. I thought, my God, he has not been to bed. And then we went out filming all day. And as we came back at half past six, where he was still on the balcony with a drink <laughs> in his hand, and I thought, Christ, he keeps this up every single day. And uh, and I, he was a, he was. Apart from being a brilliant actor, I mean, yeah. he was he was extraordinary man. Yes. And I became terribly fond of him, and um, and it was I'm amazed actually to be quite honest that he lived as long as he did. Because I mean, my God, talking about a, abusing one's body, dear Pete did, you know, in every possible way. But uh, but uh, he was a he was a cracking, and it was a good company member too. I, I mean, yeah. he, he was he was great. It was terribly important with Sharp. Andrew Jack was such a Andrew Jack was such a wonderful person to remember. I don't yeah. know. I I had a lot of, of course, yeah. you know, sessions with him and and yeah. so good at actually, uh, you know, understanding why it was said in a different way. And you know, he yeah. never did to you the line, but you know, no. actually, yeah. he he just you know offered you all the possibilities and. Yeah. and right. He was such, he just, a, such a wonderful man. He just had, he had the knack somehow. He, he, he never robbed you. Right. Yeah, he, never. Somehow you always felt it came from you and it gave you a lot yes. of confidence. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. And, and, and also a lot of knowledge, you know, about history, about why the A's and the E's were pronounced that way. Yeah. Yes. The difference between yeah. the American accent and the British. I remember like learning so much. And yeah. when I had the school, we had the school, we call him and, and, uh, and we said, you know, you want to come? And he says, well, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, you know, I cannot come, but I would be very, very glad. So he uh, gave Scott many tips to, to do yeah. Clive, did you go on that walk? Uh, You all went on a long walk out in uh, the Ukraine and you came across, was it a mental asylum or something in the hills? Oh, yes. Yes, Yes, you're absolutely right. And it was the most strangest thing. It was like a a scene from Midnight Express when you looked down. It was uh, a crazy... Mark came with us. Didn't you come with us, Mark? I remember that. That's right. And remember you took a shit and a pig came up and (laughs) ate your... (laughs) <laughs> really? What? Why is it what? people can remember things like that? It was either a dog. Well, How is it people can forget things like exactly. that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you went for, you went for a shit in the woods. Did I? 
Right. Remember- he's never shit in his entire life, has he? No. <laughs> How you didn't, you didn't need any toilet paper because you, you know, this pig or dog was there. Oh, wow. Will he lick my arse to me? Oh, God. It's great. What a, what a fascinating story. No, God. That only happens at the National. <laughs> but I do, I do, but I, I do remember that walk. I do remember. I've got it on film. Do you remember? I remember that. I made a, yeah. made a film your film. It. Yes, and, yes. And, and, and we looked down, and and there was the um, yeah, lun- lun- lunatic asylum down. Yes, yeah. I just remember. Mm. Yes, it was a beautiful location yeah. too. I mean, not the. I mean, from where we were standing. And wasn't yeah. there a monastery or something up there? Maybe we walk up to a monastery. Uh, know, yes, something like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was yes. on the way up to the ba- a, a place called Baidar Valley, which is where the Great Wall was built. Ah, and it's right. up a long winding oh, right. road. We right. drive down the coastal highway, then we take a right up a bending winding road past this beautiful church with the right. with the yeah. onion domes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. In fact, Jack, yeah. Jackie Chan yeah. shot a movie there a couple of years yeah, of after we left. Oh really? All oh, right. Really? Oh, God. Do you remember that wonderful afternoon when we went to see Chekhov's Dacha? Oh yes. Dacha? Yes, I um, do. I and do. The, and there was um, the, there was a, a, a thing that only the two old ladies who were looking after it said yes. that the Ukrainians didn't take responsibility for it, and the Russians didn't take responsibility for it. Therefore, they had to look after it themselves, and were putting pieces of plastic on the roof and stuff to try and save it. Well, that, that I don't recall that, but I do remember they just didn't speak a word of English, so I couldn't understand what any of the things were. Yeah. In, in, in the, but it was a, we were very fortunate because it was nobody there. It was just you and yeah. I were there. Yes, and to be standing in the presence of Chekhov's yeah. room, his house, where he wrote, I think, The, the Seagull, yeah. and, looking, and looking out at that incredible view of the Black Sea, which he would have looked out as, as he was writing it, you know, was yeah. terribly moving. Amazing. And, and the yeah. garden. That yes. that beautiful oh, yes. garden. Yes. I, yes, I think I saw a um, a production of Platonov at uh, the Almeida when they're in the bus station thing, and it was just like that uh, the dacha there. And I was yeah. I was just moved by the garden, seeing. Uh, yeah, I know. But uh, that was a very memorable afternoon too. It was. To, it was. Uh, go in there. We went to a palace, didn't we? Once did, did you? Did any Nicholas? Was it Nicholas? Uh, the, the, that, Nick, yeah, there, were three, there are three palaces: Lavadia Palace, where the Lavadia, yes, and Vorontsov, Vorontsov Palace. Oh, we went there. Well. That's, 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 that's sweet that's, champagne, yeah. sweet champagne. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet champagne! <laughs> Crimean <laughs> champagne. Yeah, uh, and, and where was that lovely restaurant that we went to that was on a on a spur that went out to sea not far from where we it were? It was just up the road yeah. from the sanatorium, and, and it was called the Swallow's Nest. Swallow's, Swallow's Nest. Swallow's Nest. Swallow's Nest. In yes. fact, Natasha's dad was the manager of that restaurant. Oh, really? oh. yeah, ah. yeah, yeah. It was uh, it, it, it was amazing to see people selling a shoelace or... Um, oh, I know, I know. Uh, I mean, just the poverty was uh, in- incredible. Awful. Awful. And a little girl playing the uh, violin, you know, it must have been yes. four or five, yes. um, asking for money. And it was uh, ha- heartbreaking. Yeah. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Actually, some really good questions came in for Hugh that are sensible, which is not our remit usually at all. Do you wish that you'd had more action, or were you quite happy getting paid to not do as much as everybody else running around like mad people? Uh, I was pretty happy not running around. I, I enjoyed riding the horse, the beautiful um, beautiful horse that uh, Dinny Powell kept in such amazing condition. Uh, Dinny. Copenhagen. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I was happy to do whatever was in the script. I have to ask as well, because I thought this one was interesting. You know, last time we talked about the two Wellingtons and we were joking, weren't we, that David is angry, Wellington. How does it go, Marcus? David Troughton is angry, Wellington. D- David ang- David's the angry one, uh, Christopher Plummer in Waterloo is kind of the like the ballroom dancing, kind of a bit of smug, and then Hughes the, the oh, simmer, lovely picture, I think. The one kind of a simmering wit we were going for, weren't we? We were, but someone has asked: Did you deliberately go out of your way to change the portrayal of Wellington from David, or it was just purely your interpretation? Because I think we said before, didn't we, that none of those portrayals is wrong, but they're all different aspects of the real Wellington. But did you purposely try not to just do an impression of David? No, that wasn't that wasn't an intention at all. I mean, I think, like, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you respond to what's on the page in front of you. You know, it's a question of how the scene is written, how your attitudes and your motives are, are written by, by, the, by the writer. So I think any, any, difference, any difference in interpretation between me and David would have been in the writing as opposed to either, either of our atten- intentions as to how we wanted to play the part. I did. And, and just to that, that point, that was the difference between Owen Harris and Charles Wood because the, the previous episode was Sharp's Eagle and then the first one in was Company. So they're like so different, the right the writers, you know. Had you seen David's portrayal, Hugh, or is it Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And someone, I think this is more wishful thinking, wants to know if you were full method and strutted round pretending to be the Duke of Wellington all the time on set. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. Never stop. We had to stop. salute him in everything. I like that all the time. I don't know about just on the set. That's exactly the answer. <laughs> when I took that banana, I almost had my arm off. <laughs> Nobody touches my bananas. He would regularly walk past a chosen men's room saying, scum of the earth. But they're my scum. <laughs> yeah, your favourite salute. Hugh. My famous salute? For the chosen men. Do you remember the walk past the photo? Lyndon, Lyndon's personal salute. I'm sorry, I've this? forgotten. That's okay. okay. That's a... The news flash that Lyndon remembers <laughs> something no one else does. Show us the salute. <laughs> yeah. What was that? What's this salute well, like? I've never been known to it, be... was, it, was, it was a single finger. Okay. Let's just say that. <laughs> no, 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 absolute nonsense. False. <laughs> 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 You know, so if you've listened to the other Sharp podcast, it became apparent five minutes into the first one that Sean Bean stole everything that wasn't nailed down off the set and that his basement is full of stuff. Um, And now everybody wants to know, every time someone new comes on, did you borrow anything from the set and keep any souvenirs? The only thing I I took was the nose. Ah, yes. You took took his nose. Mark, did you take anything? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Robbie? 
No, only I, I, I had a hat <laughs> that, that um, I, I had a hat that uh, Jason made for us afterwards. Um, no, I, um, I tried to take um, some dollars out, but at the place in Moscow, they said, oh, good dollar, bad dollar, I'll keep that one. And I lost half my money going through uh, the airport. But no, no, I didn't take <laughs> anything. Clive? Me? No, I, I didn't take anything at all. No. Liar! <laughs> I, didn't I couldn't get them into my... But, but, but darling Robbie, <laughs> but darling Robbie came out with everything under the sun in, in his suit. Um, I came... came he came I with, came out with women's tights. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes yeah. And a, a, a single <laughs> stove because they said you could barter. Yes. So and there was this list. So I I came over from England with with loads of women's tights. <laughs> and uh, I also came with a relaxing tape called Sounds of the Sea. Sounds of the Sea. I remember. Yes, you and, played it to me once. And Clive, yeah. Clive looked at it and opened the uh, opened the windows and said, "There. There are real waves." <laughs> and it, it was sort of kind of deafening in my room from the real waves from the, but um, yes, uh, um, yeah, I, I was laden with women's tights, and I, yes, I think I they must have thought I was some sort of perv. Well, we were rather worried, I must say. Robbie, if you were a, a, a regular on a character on the character, if you're a regular character on Sharp, we got to have a massive cardboard box and chuck everything into it, and it went over land, so nothing yeah. got disturbed. So all oh, my medals, yeah. all my contraband, all my stuff. All the uh, caviar. Got it home. Uh, I, could, I, could have, I could have had Kalashnikovs. I, I drove to some, some scrapyard near Heathrow to pick up the box. And it was like, no one was there. No one was watching. And that was, it was bizarre. It was weird. The image I can't forget is, is Pete Pottlesweight crocheting with his willy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, he had a point. Yeah, this is, this is something. It's something that Natasha remembers him saying. My brain has been telling me for the last half an hour not to ask this question, but I have no self-control and I'm a massive child. Richard asks, Mark, what's it like knowing you're probably the only bloke to ever have slept with Miss Marple? <laughs> That's true. That's I a badge of honour. I have actually said that myself. Yeah, I did. In a, I think in a flashback. Yeah. That's, that's like pride, isn't it? That's not something you can be embarrassed by. That's something you like tell grandchildren and stuff. Yeah. I know you don't usually talk about Band of Brothers, but then someone's asking about uh, the career progression. So like did Sharp, because you're a young actor going onto a big set like that, did that, get, did that make you less nervous when you got onto much bigger sets afterwards? Um... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, every job you do, you sort of just get a bit more confident. But I mean, but I'm, I remember Band of Brothers being one of the hardest experiences I'd ever had because they treated, they really treated you like a soldier. Yeah, you we had did to march a, on. the reunion. They talked about the boot camp and about how some people were like, I didn't actually sign up to join the army. This is shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I was lucky because I didn't have to do the boot camp because my character was sort of alienated from the other. I think if I'd have done the boot camp, I would have left. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I was in every day for the first episode and, and I'm actually in it for about half a second. But I was lucky enough to sort of have the third episode, which was I was the one I was featured in. But um, no, but I mean, if you called your I remember if you, we had M1 rifles and if you called it a gun, they'd have you down on the floor doing 50 press ups. And oh, God. Yeah, it was it was a lot of men. I've never been good with big groups of men. 
Yeah, I think Robin um, Lang said the first time because he was one of the replacements and they treated <clears throat> like crap because they were supposed to. Um, the first on. time one of the others ordered him to drop and do 50, he was like, fuck off, no, I'm an actor. Yeah, well, it was Cap- yeah. Captain Dale Dye who Spielberg uses for all, like, Platoon. and They were real Vietnam veterans who were sort of training us. And, um, yeah, they were, like, some of them were jungle mercenaries and all sorts, and they were extraordinary. Okay. Wow. I, can I just say, I, um, we haven't mentioned Peter Gunn. And, and he yeah. was one of, the, was going to ask one of about the, Pete. Yes. One of the funniest people I'd ever met. Yes. Yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. I remember my gang was, was Peter, Robbie and Clive. Yeah. I think we had rooms next to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I think we used to go around to um, Peter's for tea and cake in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There he is. There he is. Yes. So he's, funny. Yeah, is he, he still in Corrie? He's, he's in Corrie now, isn't he? Billy Corey, really? and he's and, he, and funnily enough, he's married to in the show Sean's for, uh, second wife, Mel Hill. Oh, yeah. that's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that like I, a timeshare thing or something? Like that? <laughs> oh. I've always considered yeah. Coronation Street to be part of the uh, you know the sharp cinematic universe, like, you know, <laughs> in the twentieth and twenty first yeah. century. Yeah, yeah, it's got that northern thing going on there. Yeah, more fun in the Ukraine. I remember there was a there was a very <laughs> there was a great Russian theatre company came over to do uh, either Three Sisters or Cherry Orchard. And <laughs> everybody said, um, uh, everybody was going to see it, all the actors and actresses, you know, serious actors and actresses. And then uh, somebody asked Peter, are you going to go and see it? And he said, no, it's in Russian. <laughs> 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 Which I thought was... Uh, very funny, because, uh, um, you, you know, it was it was either t- the Taganka Theatre Company or, or some or the theatre company that's from Russia. Yeah. And he said, "No, from Taganka, it's, I, I do, it's in Russian." It's in Russian. <laughs> you know, Robbie, the the one thing, and I'm, and I'm, I'm sure Scott and Assumpta must have heard this, but um, Scott and Assumpta were kind of keeping their relationship on the sort of down low at the beginning, at the beginning of October, but we all knew. And um, Scott came. Oh, sorry, uh, Peter Gunn came up. <laughs> sorry, Peter Gunn came up for a really funny name for Scott, and it was Scott of the Ass Antics. <laughs> well, Scott of the Antarctica. Scott yes, of the Ars Scott Antics. of the Antarctica. I never knew that. Scott- that's why I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, you know, doing a lot of partying for uh, yes. obvious reasons. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Uh, yeah. With, yeah. uh, with young Cernan here. Scott and you never called me, and you never called me at your parties, by the way. I'm a, a Oh, no way. Her. So who was in charge? Lyndon, did you not invite Assumpta to your parties? Not I, Pete, not anyone else. It was I, I was always inviting you but... to have to have lunch and things. Well, that's and the thing. Rice. You were cooking for them all on your stove. I was cooking a lot for you guys. I didn't invite you. <laughs> well, I think, Asunta, one time you, you, you got a little glimpse as to how dedicated we did do our partying and you got a bit scared. <laughs> I think that was the case. <laughs> well, yeah, perhaps, yes. I wasn't really big in alcohol, but um, uh, uh, yes, in weed. <laughs> yeah, no, true, true, true. No, we, we were very naughty. I've said after the last time, it's now my life's ambition to go out on the piss with Michael Cochran. Oh, God. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh my God! I wonder if you'd survive. I think everybody's yes. got to try it at least once. Oh, I'm <laughs> waiting.
five, um, there was a certain amount of hair envy going on last night. This isn't for the podcast, but I just have to ask, because I'm here with my friend Charlie, who is the vintage queen. She'd love to know how they got your hair in such beautiful curls on the show. And how they stayed. It was amazing. Yes. Well, I used to love you every morning, because I used to come come and sit there. Oh, what was her lovely name? The, 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 The head makeup woman there um i'm so bad yeah, too. it was Penny, it was penny penny smith penny, penny, penny and charmaine penny. grun no it was penny penny oh, smith, charmaine. Penny smith. Oh, yeah. and, uh, yes and she used to transform me with all these curls oh i looked lovely i was so pleased with myself and um <laughs> and they did i mean i think she put a, a lot of lacquer went into my hair i think you know and, um but uh no i'm not there am i no i'm not um and, and, and his boy band hair. <laughs> oh yes fine penny well, yeah. And I used to love Jason's hair, all curly at the back there, flowing down, yes. That took forever to do, I tell you. Yeah. (laughs) He used to get up at two o'clock in the morning, (laughs) curling that. but no, no, it, 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 but I I used to, I I don't know how how it stayed, it did, it did, it stayed in. Jason, can I ask you a question? I mean, you, you, you've been um, plugging this book now rather a lot. Um, <laughs> Clive, if you don't know, Clive, basically, there are some listeners who do all of the Sharp podcasts and oh, they really? play Jason book bingo every time he mentions his book. Really? Oh, it's, <laughs> so it's but but I, I just want to know, are, are we all in this book? Yes. This, the, you know, it, yes, you are. The story is uh, obviously about my character, Harris, yes. was not in Bernard's books. Right. My character was a real character. And when I got the job, he, um, and, and, and he couldn't read or write, but he recalled all of his stories and they were written down and in right. an account. And it was unique because it was a foot soldier, a working class man's story, not an officer's story. Uh-huh. Anyway, fa- fast forward to 1992. I knew, I'm playing Harris. Uh-huh. I heard about this book. I bought the book. I read it. I thought, wow, this is maybe I should be the Harris of Sharp. So I thought, I'm going to write a diary. I'm going to take photos. I'm going to do a video diary. So that's how it all came about. Oh, I see. So it's my journey through Sharp, which was started off really fun and brilliant and ended up really bad, but has come yeah. full circle. Oh, now right. oh, yeah. But luckily, I came out with a beautiful wife called Natasha. Very nice. Very nice. nice. Son. Yeah. So, so, that, so yes, everyone's mentioned, but obviously, you know, I, I deal with the juicy stuff and, and, you know, not everyone's involved in all the juicy stuff. Oh. But yes, I can actually send you a copy of on, on Word if you want to read it. Well, I'd be fascinated. Yes, but I, I will send. Well, you. I, th- I thought I thought I was involved in quite a lot of juicy stuff out there, but maybe well, you know <laughs> what? maybe it wasn't juicy enough for you, Jason. <laughs> Do you know maybe what? I don't know about it. God, but, yes, Clive's so I was writing my diary, my, my diary, my But Clive, there is something I do mention you because <laughs> on the next year you were you were written into Sharp Sword. Oh, and um, oh, yes, he get, yes, and yes. he gets blown up. That's right. Early yeah. on, and Steve, Stephen Moore came in to play him. Yes, yes, he's the late uh, Stephen Moore. Yes, and apparently you turned it down because you didn't want to get blown up. Is that true? No, I don't no. think so at all. Total I, bullshit. I, I, I think it's a bit of bullshit there. Yes, maybe, maybe I, I asked for too much money. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. But, but I, was, yes, I remember Steve, that. Yeah, 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 which is a shame because it. It's nice to have the same character playing, you know. I know. I don't know. Clive, can I see one of your caricatures? Oh, um, well, I mean, he's getting books and things out. There's one right there. behind him, behind Clive's head. Oh, the blue, the blue one. The oh, blue yes, one. I I've think that's Gilgit, is it? I've got some here, yes, but uh, they're all in my books and various things, yes. Yeah. 
um, you have to buy my books. <laughs> okay, good, good. Where I can yeah. find them? You can find them if you, if you just just put in my name on on Google search. Okay. Always coming up for half price, or not. Even, sometimes I can't even give them away now. Yeah. But um, Scott, <laughs> I love this question because it's so random. Paul Adams says, "Did you ever get bored standing around the set in uniform?" I love reenactment, and I love my uniform and cleaning my musket. Um. <laughs> It was probably one of the least boring sets to be on because everybody was... Uh, I understand reenactors entirely. And basically what actors are, are reenactors who get lines to say and um, somebody films them doing it. And, um, and we get treated relatively nicely depending on where we are. And you have those opportunities to, you know, sit outside a bell tent on a plateau in the Crimea and the way it sounds and the way it smells and everything else around it is you have that little moment where you have the opportunity to truly travel in time, which is, I think, one of the reasons that reenactors really, you know, I, I completely understand it. And apart from that, as you always said, you know, hanging out with British actors on a set is always extremely good fun because the patter is quite excellent. It's always extremely good patter. And and, and Clive and Robbie and, uh, and Hugh, it's... Because there's one thing that actors, British actors, love to do, is we love to play the role of being a British actor. Yes. <laughs> because I it's love it. because it's such a fun place to inhabit, isn't Odie's it, darling? All, all these darling, all do, love. We, uh, I love that, Clive. When you were saying, you know, oh, but, love, love. But we do it, and it's that sort of, and we all, and we all have an innate understanding of the ridiculousness of <clears throat> of what it is that we're doing, yeah. and and it's very good fun. And um, it's almost it's almost impossible to, to to get bored. Yeah, look, this this long periods of tedium. I remember spending a good three four hours throwing coat hangers at a clothes rail, <laughs> uh, and it became it became it became quite scientific. It was like the inner game of tennis, eventually. Um, and we made our own fun. Very no phones. It was very, no, absolutely. And but it was it was like that. I mean, as an actor, when you're on a on location on a set, you can either complain and and worry about you know that you got that, better that things. was our entertainment wasn't it yeah you know, there was that, that, that was, was it that, there, was, there wasn't anything else no that was it there was and also the thing is that you couldn't you know you actually had to make your own fun about it it's like you know when they talk about trench warfare long periods of boredom with short short shocks of complete mm. terror and the other thing was that when you were out there and they go, oh, there's a small explosion there. Don't walk on that. There's a big one. Just be careful <laughs> that one underneath that twig, you know, and then they would call they'd call action on the cameras and you wield your sword out and you're walking towards the, the, um, the walls of Badajoz and things would start blowing up and there was no acting necessary whatsoever. You were genuinely terrified with a face full of burning peat. Yeah, this, um, this is the point. There was no small one either, still. <laughs> no, no. And you Band of Brothers and says that he absolutely was overjoyed skipping through all these explosions and stuff with no comprehension of his own personal safety, being young and stupid, and that there was no acting. No, no there's, there's nothing at all. But the other thing is, they go when it's a, when it's a medium-sized explosion. You're supposed to. My answer was. Yeah, but I got nothing to compare it to. <laughs> it's not like I've been through. Oh, that's a small one. That's me. And then the, the things got overcharged, and the, the way the explosions work. I think we've probably talked about this here before. There was yeah. there's normally a cup which is used to direct the blast. Well, that didn't happen. There was a hole that was dug, the charger was placed, and the peat was put on top to give it the the, the fire and the burn. And it just went everywhere. So you would get a face full of you know burning <laughs> material, and God help you if there was a rock in it. But we were that's great fun. 
That's the hangers game, Scott. Look at that. I've ever seen of Sean Bean where he looks terrible. Oh, that shit. That's I tell you what, it was one of the greatest nights ever on Sharp because <laughs> we, we were filming down at a place called Shuffer Cali and the rain started coming in. And he said, you better go to the tent and retire for a bit. The rain will stop. Well, the rain went on for about six or seven hours. So we developed this game. I'm not sure who did it, Lyndon or John Tams, where you had to throw a cat hanger and get it to hang on the clothes rail. And <laughs> we, we, were, we were doing it and, and doing it. And none it of us should be an Olympic sport. Exactly. And of course... <laughs> Me being a Mr. Big Head and uh, a Frisbee champion, I said, yeah, yeah, well, let, let me try it, let me try this. Um, and I started being quite successful. And uh, at one point I said, you know what? I think I could do this blindfolded. So, so I went to the Oki and uh, I, 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 I stepped back. And on my second go, I heard clang. And I got the, and there it is, the hanger on the rail. And bef before I could take my, my, my uh, blindfold off, I got inundated by all the guys in the, in the room. I'd never seen Sean so animated and psyched. He was right on top of me, Jason! Like I'd scored the winner for Sheffield United. It was such an incredible moment. I remember it so well. And I think I won about 600 bucks off Dara um, for, that, for that one throw. Which there you go. Speed. There you go, Jason Sulky. I Mr. love that you managed to get Dara to gamble on it. But yeah, we had a book and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Managed to get down to gamble. <laughs> I remember being with, with Sean on stage and he, he used to have to stab me to death every night. And one night he jumped on my back and uh, he had the dagger, which he dug into me, but it was a retractable thing. But as he squeezed with his legs, he broke my ribs, <gasps> which, which was just unbelievably painful so when i was dead he didn't know that i'd broken my ribs and then he had to pick my hand up and drag me across the stage to various places and i was going for fuck's sake don't come back on the podcast because he owes you um, <laughs> what was that, what that was, robbie it was romeo and juliet at stratford and i was with Pete, uh, with Pete uh yeah um, he wasn't in no. it but pat paris no. Uh, it was Sean Bean as um, Romeo. Um. <laughs> uh, a sometime, so now everybody knows when you come on these things, they love you and your feistiness and the fact that you take no shit from anyone. So we get inundated with questions about it. And Melissa Speed sent us one. And she was she ranted first. She said, what do you think of the storyline in which Sharp was unfaithful with Liz Hurley's character? She hated it. She thought he loved you far too much for that. She was very angry. She doesn't think it happened in the books, but Marcus can confirm. And so she thought it was totally odd. And I think she wants to know if it pissed you off. Yes, <clears throat> of course. <laughs> you know, he was mine. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, even even that. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, um, I didn't watch uh, actually the episodes of, of Liz. I, uh, I didn't. Um, I was, I think, in America back then. And yeah. It was difficult to, to get a hold well, of Well, all I can say is all that anybody needs to know is you need to meet Liz Hurley to understand that Sharp, uh, you know, you know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never met anybody who flirted with furniture. I mean, <laughs> what? I, I'm unsure at the moment whether she does actually. Uh, he goes in rescues and whether. I don't think he does in the book. I, I was checking. No, it out. I'm not sure he does. The, the film's kind of um, seared into our minds, let's say. Yeah. Although it's quite funny that Sean got a bit irate, didn't he, about some of the amount of... Uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. 
I, I remember her the day that she came, the first day she came, <clears throat> and she insisted to be in my car. And so I said, okay, great. And so she was all the time, I think it was like for an hour, uh, you know, asking me questions about Sean, about the boys, about everything. <laughs> but this, you know, was like girl talk, but I, I felt like, robbed or something <laughs> you know I felt like <laughs> because you know she was she was only keen to know you know the dirty of everyone and what did she like and what did the other like literally sit he in would... my room all night cooking people moves uh, food on my little stove and don't know <laughs> gossip, sorry <laughs> they so don't invite me to their really no 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 I you know I <laughs> I just I was I was you know it was it was another bird isn't it isn't she is it another, it's another kind of it's, it's another species <laughs> it's another species for me it's another it species. was it was really interesting you know to to watch her you know <laughs> just, wow what a species astonishingly beautiful and yeah. so out of most people's league. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's just so. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> apart from you, apart from you, Rob. Anyway, Assumpter as well. This question came in from Matt. Oh, it's quite interesting. Do you know what happened to your baby? No. Where's Antonia now? Have you got no. Dutch? No. I would. It's just. It would just be a prop, wouldn't it? There you go. Have it back. Yes, uh, I, I've, I've, uh, I, I didn't know how to hold her. I remember that. I, I a... was like, "What is that?" Because you know, I, I, I never had a, a, a child, or um, I, I, I never will. <laughs> so you know, for me, it was a strange thing. <laughs> I, got, I got the impression you liked the baby. I think you covered it well. Yes. Okay. But I know I'm the same as you. And if it had been me, as soon as the camera went off, I would have been like, "Somebody take it." Yes. 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 I love children, but I I love children, but I couldn't eat a whole one. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. 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 I understand that. <laughs> but Asunta, there's a scene where the baby's crying. That the, the uh, Badahoff is being attacked. And the, the person who's looking after the baby, your sister or whatever, is crying her eyes out. And you stride in and pick up the baby and said, what are you doing? You're crying? And you did it perfectly well there, I must say. So okay, don't, don't okay. do yourself down. Okay. <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah. That's when you stay. Didn't you stab, stab someone then? Yes, yes. Yes, yes the Frenchman. Yeah. It's actually yes. before, just before that, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we yeah, lost that's, that's, that's a load, isn't it? I mean, it yeah, that's what we said when he hit the floor. Well, it's the one less Frenchman. Thank point. you, Alex. <laughs> you stabbed me, he said. She was like, No, he just got really? to the floor, but there was he actually acted that brilliantly because we were laughing. Did, yeah, because the look on he... his face was like, I thought I was gonna get laid. Thought, I'm scored, I'm scored. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was great. And um, the last question, guys, is just, uh, and I, I just say it isn't really, but Robin asked, and I think it'd be quite cool to go around the room, who made you laugh the absolute most on set? So let's start with Robbie. Oh, easily Peter Gunn. Yeah. Uh, um, he was, I mean, he was just so quick. And uh, um, mind you, Clive, Clive was very funny. Um, but um, yeah, Peter Gunn. Peter Gunn easily. He he just. Uh, I mean, he he looked with those little glasses on it. He just looked like Les Dawson, you know, like, you know, um, as if he was collecting. Uh, you know, the Les Dawson, the uh, the perv he plays with those tiny little glasses. Go, mm, sex, mm, knickers. Mm. Um, yeah, you know the, that character. Well, Peter Gunn, uh, um, just, um, yeah, he, he was funny. Also, he taught me how to do Michael Caine. So, um, <laughs> he sounds yeah. like he was the king of the one liner as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's really good. Um, he, uh, yeah, uh, what, what did you say? Uh, um, I only told you to blow the bloody doors off. He's uh, a sort of, um, and which I've used ever since. But uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, there were good, there were some very. Uh, I'm trying to trying to think of the other. I've just so much happened that was funny. Yeah. He, but, he uh, was the king of that year, sharp for sure. In terms, yeah, of yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's what I've got to say. Is is Peter Gunn? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, all I've got to say is well, it was Peter Gunn. He was the undoubtedly the king of patter. He was yeah. hilarious. And uh, one-liners all the time in every yes. situation. He never let up. It was just a joy to be with him. Yeah. Clyde. Yes. What 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 was the name of that of that huge hill? It could only go up by 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 lift, going up to what was oh it Oh my God! Yes, in that scary lift. Yes. Funicular railway. No. Yes, it went up in no, the funicular. Up and down. Uh, yes. From anyway. the top to the bottom. All I know is that I went up there one day with, with Pete Gunn and he had a kite with him. And he, brought <laughs> it, and he brought this kite all the way from England. And he was wow. determined at some point during his stay out there, he was going to fly this kite. And it sat dormant in his, in the, in his bedroom for, for, for days and days. Anyway, I said, well, let's go up on this, on this lift. He said, right, I'm going to bring my kite. So he went up... <laughs> Because they'd never seen a kite before. These, these, all these, 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 these Russians were staring at him. And he went up there and he said, running around the top with this kite, which wouldn't come off the ground at all. <laughs> so I, I pretend I didn't know who the hell he was. He's on some mad <laughs> and, uh, and eventually this kite went up in the air and he lost control of it completely. And said, we were running after this kite, which I thought was then going to fly all the way down and land somewhere in the Black Sea. But he managed to save it. But that was one of my very favourite moments of dear Pete, who was determined yeah. to fly his kite. And he <laughs> did. And he did. Now, he, was a, he's a, he is a truly... I mean, we keep in touch every Christmas by card, but we never get... Yeah. This, and I'm trying... We keep trying to make arrangements to see each other. Because, um, yes, I was terribly, terribly fond of him. Very yeah. fond of him. Yeah, yeah. Great guy. Great guy. Wonderful. Now, tell me, who's, who's the gentleman below? Yes. That's... Christian Abomnez, he was on the camera crew. Oh yes. Ah. Yeah. And yeah. he's um he's a he was a friend of Sam Craddock. Right. Malcolm Craddock's son. Oh. Yes. And he got a job on the first sharp as a location assistant manager and worked his way up through the ranks to to clap um clap a loader or, or focus puller, whatever he, he became. Oh, right. <coughs> but he's a he's a bit of a sharp and he lives in Paris now. All right. uh, and he, and yeah. now he's a, and now he's a director actually, director cameraman, isn't he? He's a director, yeah. Right. So yeah, he's looked, doing well. I visited him a couple of years ago in Paris. He looks good. He did the crew one with us, didn't he? What's his yes. name yes. again? Yeah. Christian Abomnez. Yeah, he did. He's mm. half English, half French. Uh-huh. Was there a chap out there called Vlad the Inhaler? <laughs> <laughs> what could have been. Vladimir, lots of Vladimirs, yeah. Who were yeah, those yeah. two who were those two Russians who who were uh, inf- yeah, infatuated infatuated with me? Probably Sandra and Patricia. Sandra and Patricia. Yes, they were two. And they've been killed. Yeah. What? They were... What? Yeah. yeah. Well, they were, they were gay in Yalta back in the 90s. That's oh, my no... God. That's a no-no. That's why I liked you so much, uh, Scott. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, and were... it's happened since. It's happened never since said to me. it to me. Are you, are, you, are you saying they died? They were killed. They, oh, were, they were both... Yeah. They were. They both liked to drink more than Pete. Yeah. 
Um, and that, yes, and yes, so, so if you're, if you're gay oh, and you're yes. pissed, oh my god, you're pissed, you might try it on with someone, and that's not going to be good if you do to someone that's ultra violent. So that's what we oh, think. Oh, gosh, I remember these two? What, what, what they were doing in Sharp? They, they served us our tea and our biscuits, yeah, at yeah, 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 chai, Malocco. Chai, Malocco. Linden, mm. who made you laugh the most? Um, to be honest, I'd probably go Lord Tams. Actually, mm-hmm. Mr. John Tams, purely because oh, right. of the dryness. But he um, yeah. the, the comments, the comments, the comments that he'd come out with would be ones that you'd sort of laugh at about two days later because it took you took me a while to actually get it. <laughs> exactly. Um, it was <laughs> extremely clever, and, and I just, I, yeah, I mean, I wasn't. I mean, there's Peter going obviously, but we didn't spend so. Much, they'd have spent more time together. We could see what I mean with the the, the the characters and so on. But I think, yeah, probably Tams. And obviously I, Jason, because Natasha has just reminded me of a of a, of a of a funny thing that happened once, and it was Mark Warren dancing in his underpants. <laughs> you remember that, Mark? I've probably done that a few times, so you might need to <laughs> pin it down. You and Peter well, the... Gunn used to dance to um, Abba, Dancing Queen, on the Saturday oh, Night yeah. Disco Night. Oh yeah. I've got all that on film. Yes, I have. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. I, I actually, I actually think those two, those two, those two Russian gentlemen who were after me. I think they moved on to you for a bit, Mark, or it was somebody else. But I kind of like transitioned them. I can't remember who because there was a point when somebody else walked in the room and they went, "Oh, hello." Not blonde hair. Don't talk. Yeah, getting that. flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> where you find out that the mark actually spent years on therapy to forget <laughs> welcome to my world <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all of us bizarre. yeah remember yeah. that hypnotism to to try to repress the memories yeah mark was there was, was someone sorry alex there was someone else that was hilarious but maybe not intentionally and that was on the following year and his name is peter hugo daly Oh yes, yeah. And he played one of the deserters, um, yeah. along along with a guy called Jake Abraham, a, a scouse actor. Jake, and they were hilarious, but not yeah. in the terms of quips and clever, clever word arrangements like Peter Gunn or, or John Tams, but just just just, <laughs> just out of control craziness, and they were really entertaining. Yeah, Peter Hugo Daly. Yeah, yeah. He went Very on and was in the India ones as well. Did. Uh, Shadrach have a camp or some ridiculous thing? Yeah. Shadrach. Yeah. I asked Mark about who was funniest, but he looks like he's still suffering flashbacks from the Abbott. <laughs> no, P- Peter, Gunn were, Peter Gunn was the funniest, but Clive and Robbie were a very close second. <laughs> um, Peter always used to buy very weird local stuff, didn't he? And then mm. he would sort of entertain us with it in the afternoon. Yes. Um, yes. I'm also remembering playing chess with John Tams. Would that be right? Did, did you used to play a lot of chess? Yeah. There's a big. That's chess John, thing. isn't it? Behind you, next to Pete. No, that's no, that's, yeah. that's Michael Mears. I'm going to. Oh, chess. Michael, I used to play. I beg your pardon. Yes, that's yes, Michael. I used to play. That's yeah, I used to play. Michael I used to play Mears chess with Michael then. Uh, and Christian Abomness, I'm pretty sure Christian. I have one of the great filming experiences of my life with him in Prague in around about 1999 on Oliver Twist, if yes. it's the same guy. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, you probably actually wow. worked with Marc, Marc Genet as well. Marc Genet was our first assistant director, French guy. Do you remember him? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah, 
he blew he, me pro- up. He, yeah. he probably worked on that Prague production because that's uh, he, he moved to Prague and started doing sh- shows there. So he probably worked with him as well. Here is the, right. chess, the chess club underway during Sharp's company. Right, okay. Yeah. What happened in Prague? It's a lot. That's a whole different podcast. <laughs> it's a whole podcast. What, what happens in Prague, Susan? <laughs> yeah. do, do, yeah. do you remember when Michael Mears used to guard his marmalade? We wouldn't, weren't allowed any. Do, do you remember? Very, Is that very... a metaphor? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> None of you will come near either marmalade or marmite, and um, he wouldn't let us near it. Yeah, Michael, <laughs> Michael kind of was particular about his things, I must say. Yeah, he was. But, you I know. Do. <laughs> know. It's funny because it looks like Michael doesn't want anyone to mess his chessboard up. Lyndon doesn't know what the bits are for, and Dara doesn't care. <laughs> 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 I, I tell you what, Great though, they guys. did they they did care because money was passing hands in this wow. match for sure. Oh, so Darren's Lin- there because he's got a bet on it. The trouble Darren, is, Darren Lin- had a book on everything. I told you, he had a book on absolutely everything. The trouble what is, time, Lin- what time will we start filming tomorrow? I'll have a bet on that. What time are we going to stop filming tomorrow? I'll have a bet on that. <laughs> the the, the you know, trouble is, you know, Lyndon, Lyndon, in one of the episodes, they put. Um, <laughs> Douglas character Harper starts betting and I don't think that's in the books do you think that's because he was doing it so much behind the scenes <laughs> yeah say again Marcus what was that in one of the uh, episodes they have Sergeant Major Harper making a bet book up oh, that's right the Ellie Sharp the Ellie Sharp shooting scene yeah in yeah, gold that, that could have been yeah that could have been a, is that a, influenced a by real life for Dara's real yeah. book yeah. in fact I, I remember winning Winning sixteen hundred dollars off that. No, but wow. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. God. He bet me. He bet me towards the end of the first series when we thought everything disintegrated. Jason, we're not going to go again next year. I said, Dara, we're definitely going again this year. He, he bet me sixteen to one. I laid down a hundred bucks. Go. So, really so, but, but, the, cold, but the following year, I felt bad for him, and it was the year England didn't qualify for the World Cup. It was an impossible uh, game, and I put. 300 quid on England getting into the World Cup because I knew I was going to lose to let Dara have some of his money back. But I won a lot of money off Dara, I must say. Yeah. Yeah. Trouble is, Lyndon thought he was playing drafts. That's the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Look, oh, look, Lyndon's got three of his pawns already. Four pawns. Lyndon, <laughs> how old were you? Uh, it's about this... 10. Yeah. <laughs> is this, what's this, sharp one, sharp two? This is sharp two, Badahot. This is uh, during Badahot. 21. 20. 21. 21. I remember you what? up in, I shall never forget Lyndon being up in a tree in uh, Dennis Potter. Singing detective. Oh, Blue Remember Hills. And oh, he, oh, had this, oh. he had this oh, yes. marvellous line. He had two, um, three or four marvellous lines up in this tree. And it was the most moving, one of the most moving moments of the whole thing. I, I don't remember him having any lines, but just the look, <laughs> the look. It was an iconic image from the show. They always showed that image. Lyndon looking down at his mum making love to another man. And it's fantastic acting. It's, yeah. it, says, it says so much. And, you know... He, uh, he was brilliant. up in a tree. He was up in a tree. And it yeah. was one of the most moving... Yeah. scenes I've, I've ever ever seen really Absolutely. it was so beautiful and Dennis Potter was such a wonderful writer do you remember doing that Lyndon no no of course yeah 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 I do yeah I do yeah I was, that was uh, that was my first ever job ever in the history God. of the world when yeah. I was 13 yeah 
Patrick Malahide and Alison Stebman with the. Oh, wow. Alice yeah. Ste- Stebman was my mum, and Patrick Malahide was the person doing the, doing the Nortu. Yeah. That's what made yeah. you yeah. pretty much the most famous person on set, on Sharp, wasn't it? Other than Sean Bean? Me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you to everyone for coming along. I'm sorry if oh, I yeah. hassled you with emails, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We never know. We might do one of everyone all together, every single Sharp actor together in one last um, Zoom call towards the end, just before my book comes out. <laughs> so, so yeah, do you have a book coming out? Do you have a book? It's called Crime I feel from like Crimea. We've changed the bingo people, Jason. So just say it four or five times now. I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book. Uh, no, Natasha with Crimea for love. With Crimea from, from Crimea with yeah. love, and it's p- published by Unbound, and you can get pre-ordered right now. And it's a great read. Believe me, a great read. Thank and you. Is it is it on Amazon? Can you get it on Amazon? It will be. Yeah, it's not out yet. It's out next year. Okay, right. but I can Very send good. you a, a, a word copy if you want. All right, yeah. I'll cut. I'll cut out the bit where I talk about you, but yeah. We'll, we'll... <laughs> Whatever format it ends up taking um, and location, you are planning a launch party where you're going to try and get everybody back together, aren't you? Yes, but I'll definitely yeah. wait till the pandemic's over so everyone can do it. Yeah, it's going to end up I, being an interpretative dance. That's what. It'll be. Yeah, <laughs> I can read more of my poetry about various characters. <laughs> Darek can bet on who gets drunkest. Darek can Darek can have a bet definitely. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure we get have a dancing queen on for Mark as well. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much, everybody, for coming on to talk about Sharp's company. It's been absolutely fantastic, Clive. Thank you. A great pleasure. Thank you. I've been lovely seeing you, Clive. Robbie as well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. I I, I didn't know I was alive till I got on here. <laughs> well, Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Hugh, thank you. Everyone, thank you. you. It's bye been bye. a really good... I've got a very good feeling about today's podcast. I don't know why, but it felt really nice. Thank yeah. you, Jason, for putting us all together. Thank you, Alex. He was, he was always very nice. Uh, love to see you, Lyndon. Thanks, mate. Join us on Boxing Day. When you really have had enough, down the pub, we will regale you with our Christmas special. We have played Secret Santa. Currently, all of the regulars have packages sitting at their house with what we assume will be hilarity inside, and they will open them live on air. And we are also going to play another... We're going to play a game. We are going to play a game whereby everybody gets allocated much like secret santa someone else in the pub and they've got to cast them as historical characters for a theoretical panto so join us as we basically burn each other for a couple of hours uh, for your amusement we will also be broadcasting a special world war ii program all about a christmas battle in italy merrin waters will be with us to talk all about the battle of ortona so don't miss that either don't forget that we do exist on patreon as history hack and on patreon as well which is podbean's own version uh, elena and i have had massive fun doing this in 2020 uh, but life's going to change quite a lot next year and we're going to actually have to go and earn a living etc if we want to keep up the regularity that we've been bringing you and the kind of guests that we've been bringing you and the workload then we will need your help so uh, if you join us on either of those platforms uh, marcus is currently working on some benefits for you so uh 
there's going to be incentives for joining on either of those platforms. We're revamping ourselves on both of them. So don't forget to go in. You can do as little as a dollar a month and it all goes towards keeping up History Hack as regular as we've been able to bring it to you this year. We are now on YouTube. We are posting all of our new episodes on there and we have our own channel and we are gradually posting all of the back episodes because we have been made aware of the fact that you can only find the last hundred on some platforms. So you can go and listen to your heart's content and laugh at the cartoons and have a great time. So do go over there and subscribe. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.